to Theologizing Life, live, from Orl, actually we're in Kissimmee, from Kissimmee, Florida, which didn't sound nearly as fun as Orlando. So we've moved. No, I'm just kidding. This <laughs> <laughs> said so long, Indiana. And we're done. Yeah. That winter was Get just it. too much. We could not handle. No, no. Uh, we're here at a conference. It's called Exponential, and it's held in Orlando every year. It's uh, a church conference. It sort of focuses on church planning and multiplication, uh, which is sort of. Um, insider church language for uh, how, how do we make more followers of Jesus and establish more churches and there's a lot of different expressions of that or different ways and models and it's cross-denominational and there's it's inner like there's people from around the world it's uh, it, this year is sold out so it's uh, kind of fun because like I mean like we met people from like Canada there's people there from New Zealand um for someone who has a very loud luggage cart in the background, so I apologize for that, because we're outside. I uh, can't really control that, but um, yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, there was, really a, there was like a people. worship service last night, and there was a lady behind me, like, speaking in tongues. Just, you know, right right in my ear, so. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's been it's been a cross-cultural experience. So yeah, we should fun. do uh, we should do a theologizing life on speaking in tongues for it let's do it that'd, that'd be, be interesting be fun to talk about. also we just found this out <laughs> right before we logged on um but uh guten tag to our our listeners in germany um we have four of those so oh, that's, that's awesome that's great uh and it looks like italy the netherlands and france uh, are our most most recent foreign listeners so we have I mean, I'm talking like <laughs> we've crossed the pond <laughs> <laughs> we've crossed the pond uh so um you know we, we're, we're we're slowly infiltrating the world. What's this one down here? Is that uh? Oh, I have no idea, I and know. I have no idea how people have come across no our idea. Uh, podcast. Because Matt and I were talking before this about how this is kind of a, a little side hobby that we enjoy doing, and um, in part, it's an extension of conversations we used to have all the time when we were working together. We drove. Oh, oh, oh there's the there's uh, the, there's the light. That's nice. All right. Um, I had an idea. <laughs> Light bulb. Um, uh, we drove down here, and, and the whole way we theologized, and we're like, we should be recording right yeah. now. But 16, Actually, 16 hours of Probably content. not a great idea for us to be recording during that 16 hours of. Um, yeah, we, we got a little unfiltered at times, but, you know. Yeah, it's true. We, well, it and happens. it was like late and. Part yeah. of the drive and things, yeah, things get unfiltered. But so anyways, so if I go to twenty-four months, we'll get a, uh, you know, we've we've infiltrated Canada, um, the Czech Republic. There's five people that have listened from the Czech Republic, Ukraine. I feel like you guys have more going on there than than listening to our podcast. But but great, awesome. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird seeing all this. Like yeah, so this I is mean, through uh, the, the the bulk bulk of our listens come from the United States, but it's kind of kind of interesting to see, uh, see everyone else. But yeah. It's through uh, uh, our 
post platform, the Podbean. yeah, the dashboard. But yeah. anyhow, so we are here at Exponential, and one of the things I appreciate about it, I'm not a church planter, um, but I am a, a pastor leader, and uh, they have it's it's an insane amount of seminar, and then uh, they have breakout those breakout sessions, and then there's main sessions with worship and speakers, and um, it's been really encouraging. Uh, the the different speakers, um, uh, yeah, Matt. We yeah. how many we've heard six speakers and went to th- four yeah. breakouts at this point. Yeah. What's Some really awesome, awesome uh, insights that we've gotten. So yeah, yeah. Uh, who's your top two favorite speakers you've heard? Uh, John Mark Comer. So this is kind of interesting. Uh, Anthony read. Uh, Ruthless Elimination of Prairie and some other books like John Mark Homer and uh, my wife did as well and so did our uh, our other pastor friend and a couple other people I know uh, and they have been like the biggest John Mark Homer evangelists that I've ever met like like Matt you need to read this book why have you not read it yet <laughs> and so now having seen his like breakout sessions and hear him speak and share his ideas like I'm I'm sold uh He's, he's been super insightful and helpful. And I feel like he's kind of my speed. Like, I was talking to Anthony. Like, he's, he's super quiet and, like, laid back and soft-spoken. Uh, but when he talks, like, you just, like, you're locked in. Like, you're listening because mm-hmm. he's got some great stuff to say. And then there was another, I think it was the first speaker, uh, a guy named Derwin Gray. Uh, Who used to be in the NFL. Ex-NFL player. Now he pastors a church in uh, South Carolina, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so he was fun. He was mm-hmm. his. He got some some fun stuff to, to share too, so, which we'll get into. So what about you? Yeah. So um, I also like Derwin Gray, but I think John Mark Comer. I've read all but one of his books, and he's been sort of a mentor from afar. That's uh, what I kind of consider authors that I've uh, engaged some of their content. They're sort of like these mentors from afar. So John Mark Comer, and then um, Christine Kane. Uh, I her her message had some some oomph and power, and I said two speakers, but I'm going to add Pete Gregg, and part of it's because he's from England, and his accent is just captivating. Yep, uh, it's just <laughs> it's hard to explain. <laughs> British accent, um, and so it's it's just like I could just listen to him talk. Yeah, and like if I tell a joke, people probably won't laugh. If he tells a joke in a British accent, like the entire room just like loses it. <laughs> so that's why we're here in uh, Orlando, Florida, and I've been enjoying, or Kissimmee is where we're staying, but I've been enjoying the sunshine. We're in Orlando. This it's, is Orlando. It's been beautiful. Um, before we God's share, country. we're going to share uh, some insights from the conference that we've taken so far, a conviction or a takeaway, and then something that's encouraged us. But before we do that, there's some exciting news about Professor, the one and only Professor Matt Tracy. Matt, yeah. what's some of the big news? Well, uh, I'm taking one more step in my journey to actually being a real professor. Um, Anthony calls me that jokingly, but um, I'm actually going to begin a PhD in the fall. So I got accepted to uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, for a PhD in Old Testament theology. So, super excited about that. Uh, it's been a long, 
kind of grueling journey getting there. Applying to grad school is a very, it's like, it's like applying to a job, uh, but it's the same job four, four to five times, depending on how many schools you apply to. So you like, you have to write like papers and application materials. And it's just like, you have to just like do one thing, like apply to one school and then multiply the effort by five. And all, all the while you may or may not actually get into the school that you're putting your heart and soul into. So, um, yeah, it, there's been some rejection, uh, some frustration along the way, but I'm happy. It's been, yeah. He's being pretty modest about it. Getting accepted into a doctoral program in Old Testament studies is a big deal. He's going to have to take some language courses in uh, German maybe or our, French. Maybe our German and French listeners can help me because I have to take German and French. And then uh, Latin? I don't have to take Latin. Oh, That's only for systematic theology. That's right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad because I don't want to take Latin. Um, but I joke with people like I'm. I only know dead languages. I know like <laughs> ancient Greek and Hebrew, uh, languages that nobody speaks anymore. So I'm happy that I'm going to get to learn some uh, some actual modern modern languages. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so so you said I jokingly call you Professor Matt Tracy, like. Uh, there's <laughs> my wife FaceTiming me. <laughs> We're live, babe. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. I, you said I jokingly call you Professor Matt Tracy, but no, you, you're Professor Matt Tracy, and then when you finish this, you're going to be Dr. Tracy. Yes. Dr. Tracy. Yes. Um, which is really exciting. Then just kind of, I think this is cool, because I think we can rope this into like... Uh, uh, some theologizing of life like there's also some things that have been set in motion pretty quickly like god you had that that rejection those closed doors which is always frustrating like if you ever been three like i applied to three schools got declined by all of them and then trinity was the last one like all my hopes were riding on this one so it's been a process yeah and if you've ever been at a crossroads where you think god's leading you somewhere but then the door's closed it's kind of a it, it can be kind of like demoralizing and frustrating. It can be, um, it can be. <laughs> his wife just sent him a picture of her in April. Um, that's my, super cute. Her, <laughs> my daughter giving me a frowning face because I just declined their FaceTime. Anyway, um, way off track here. Yeah. So Actually, he, this happens a lot. I just edit it when we, uh, when we <laughs> record, but we're live now, so I can't do that. Uh, if you've ever been at Crossroads and doors closed but you think God's leading you but the doors are opening it's sort of like what the heck God I don't, I don't know what to do um, and so you've sort of had that experience but then when doors do start opening and it seems like things start falling into place there's just this like uh, it's just like seeing the faithfulness of God and, and you kind of walk that so could you just tell us a little bit like briefly like what what that's looked like what yeah. has God's faithfulness looked like yeah so I'm going to do the most millennial thing ever and talk about how I went to counseling and um, I'm going to do an even, even more millennial thing and tell you what my counselor said in our private session. Um, <laughs> that's what we do. We're just overly transparent. Uh, but uh, I was kind of like, obviously I, I was kind of driven to seek counsel when I was going through, because uh, I mean I've been applying for two years for these programs and it's just not been working out and so I, I eventually went through uh, went to a counselor and, and he really helped me get some perspective and he, and he talked about how like uh, 
you know, God is God is going to he's not going he's not wasting opportunities. Like not God is not a God who wastes opportunities. Like if he if he is calling you to something uh, and he is um, making you wait for it, that waiting period is is a really important time of formation. Um, so like if he if he can if he can give you what you need and teach you a lesson along the way, he will. Uh, and so I, it was been it was encouraging to me. Like and I found out like two weeks ago that I got into the program. So it's been like uh, we've been talking to him since like January and. The whole time, it's just been like, what is what is God doing right now? Even in this process of waiting, even when it feels like He's not showing up, or when it feels like He's um, ignoring your requests, because like, I mean, this is something that I thought I was called to, and my part of my confusion was like, why is God calling me to this and then and then letting me fail? Um, and uh, I kind of had to get that out of my my mind. Like, and, and it wasn't that God was letting me fail; it was that. God was doing something in me that I needed to kind of realize, I think. So, um, but yeah, in the end, it's been—he's been super faithful along the way. Um, I got—I uh, got an interview request with the school and uh, talked to some of their their faculty and their staff, and then uh, a week later, I, I found out I got accepted, and then. Um, just this past Saturday, my wife and I bought a house in uh, in Deerfield, which is where, not in Deerfield, near Deerfield, where the Trinity campus is. Um, so I'll be moving back to the, the suburbs of Chicago, just when it's where I grew up. Um, so we were we were driving uh, through our new town the other day, when we were looking at the house, we bought the house, and the, the things that we noticed that were just like not a big deal normally are like oh wow they have a potbelly subs <laughs> it's, like, it's like oh wow there's a jersey mike's like the restaurants that the like food. The, yeah food mostly it's mostly the food yeah but it's like in indiana we have like three options and there's no pizza options but in chicago there's pizza options around every corner which is really exciting but in indiana you just get like papa john's or domino's uh so that's exciting yeah but the, the things that like Mostly food, yeah, you're right. But we we're just like driving, like, oh my gosh, like I haven't had that in ages since we moved to Indiana. Like now we can eat that Chick Fil A. There's a Chick Fil A. I don't right know if there. you go to Fort Wayne for Chick Fil A. So, yeah. So that's exciting. We're getting, you know, that's that's off topic, but you know. no, it's it's good. <laughs> we're we're excited for Matt. I'm excited for Matt. It means he's going to move away, farther away. Uh, I move first, I guess, but I only yeah. move like yeah, 35 but, minutes. Yeah, that's not far. Uh, you know, okay, it was like forty to fifty minutes away, to be fair. But um, that's nothing compared to three and a half hours, I guess. We'll still but, be doing these these episodes though, because we usually do these over Zoom. We're, yeah. never, we're never in person when we do these. This is actually the first one we've done when we're in person. Yeah. Um, your head is like. I know I look like touched by the angel. <laughs> so I'm gonna see. If There's like can. a stadium light, like right there. Now you have Mickey Mouse ears. Now we're really in, in Disney. There we go. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know if there's a good way to do that. Can we do this? There, there we, we go. go. That's, we're gonna, That's gonna, pretty sky. You guys can look at the pretty sky. Yeah. yeah. So um, oh my goodness. It's still there. Let's go. There, there we go. More. That's better. All right. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't the Florida sun. That was actually just a giant light that's outside our window 24-7. Um, so yeah, that's a good a good fun development that I'm really excited about. And it's going to be a, uh, a journey, but yeah, it'll be fun. 
All right, I'm gonna be weird on, on live here, but scooch a little more. Not a lot more, just a little more. There, there we go. go. Uh, we're really good at this, guys. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna share about the conference. Uh, Matt, um, could you share, has there been anything that you would say, like, this is an insight that I'm gonna take away from uh, the conference? An insight. So um, a lot of my insights have come from <clears throat> the question. There's kind of like, it seems like there's a question that is kind of like a, a golden thread through all of the presentations and breakout groups, and it's um, what is the gospel that we are preaching in the church, and how does it stack up or compare to the gospel that Jesus preached? So uh, I think we, we, we get really caught up in the, the whole, like, save the sinner's prayer, um, get saved so that your soul is rescued from hell. And, like, that's the gospel. Like, when you think of, like, oh, I'm going to share the gospel, that's the gospel. Right? Jesus died for your sins so that you could be forgiven and not go to hell. But, but, um, Derwin Gray actually pointed this out. Like, the gospel that the New Testament talks about, and obviously, like, uh, the, the gospel that we share in the church is true, but it's a product of, you know, Paul and other theologians kind of working out the, uh, um, I guess the, the machinations of it, you know, over time, but but really the gospel that Jesus initially preached um, was the kingdom of heaven has arrived uh, and joined me in ushering in the new kingdom to the world around us. And so, uh, I think we we in the church we preach like our gospel of get away from hell, like do everything you can and be safe so you don't go to hell. Where, where the gospel that Jesus preached was actually better news than that. Uh, it was an invitation kind of into a new a new way of living, a new reality. So I thought that was super insightful, and that's something that I wrestled with. Like, why is the gospel that we preach in the church so different than what Jesus said was the good news? You know? Yeah. And just for, uh, just to, like, reaffirm what Matt's saying, like, I did a sermon recently on Mark 1, and if you read Mark 1, it says... Um, Jesus went around preaching the good news of God, and this is what he this. And then it, it quotes Jesus. These are the first words Jesus actually says in Mark's gospel. Um, he says, uh, "The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near." So there's something about Jesus's message that had to do with the kingdom, and the kingdom has to do with a king, and 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 his effective rule and reign. And surrendering to the lordship of that reign and coming under that kingdom. And, and Paul talks about we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. And so there's something about li- uh, there's something about living that way, this kingdom way, and following Jesus. Uh, yeah, and then the response to this is repent, believe, follow me. Mm-hmm. Like he uh, says repent and believe the good news. And then right after that, at least in Mark's gospel, there's a scene where he calls fishermen to follow him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... What about you? What's something that was insightful? Yeah, so... Personally, Anthony pitched this episode as a series of guttural noises. So, uh... <laughs> and, and... Ah! Like an insight or a... Oh, I forgot. Eh! Like a, I don't know if I agree with that. Or, and there was one more, too. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hmm. No. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. You could have reminded me. It's alright. Do you no. have a yeah, hmm, no? Actually, um, no, I like this way better. Okay. Right on. <laughs> I might I might point out a hmm or a no, but you know. Cool. Um, one of the things I found super insightful was this guy Josh Howerton. 
uh, spoke in one of the main sessions, there were two things he shared that I thought were really uh, insightful. And I didn't, I wasn't able to write down all the, the scriptures where he, he highlighted this pattern, but he talked about a pattern of unforgiveness that leads to division that invites demonic activity. And there is this sort of, there are places in scripture where these, these there seems to be a correlation between these. And so, um, and he, he talked about how it seems in 2020, like uh, the devil got together and had like sort of a strategy session and said, hey guys, look, we don't need to defeat the church. We just need to divide the church and then they'll defeat themselves. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how from that, there seems to be, what it, what has sort of emerged is three real clear sort of pockets within at least Protestant Christianity. And um, he he had this Venn diagram and all that stuff, but he, he defined them this way. The three sort of, if you will, call factions, maybe, or groupings of Christians are, are churches, are the doctrinal churches. Those that they're really focused on uh, the word of God and doctrinal accuracy truth. And he said part of the strength is the truth matters. Like, it does matter we are to... Um, contend for the faith. Uh, but some of the weaknesses, um, I mean, in short, like sometimes they're mean. Like it's just, there's there's arrogance and um, just not a lot of grace and truth. It's just sort of heavy on truth. So you yeah, have to, I think uh, I think he said, uh, well, I think I wrote it down. Um, doctrine oh. taught with the spirit of the Pharisees. Yeah. So like there's kind of an arrogance to the yeah, that's like, good. As as true as it might be, um, their their emphasis on doctrine is obviously important. Yeah. But and the, the spirit that they they share it with is, you know, Pharisaic. Yeah, and he, he quoted Paul he says, "Love builds up, but knowledge puffs up." Mm-hmm. And so that's but but we have these doctrine. And again, he emphasized the the healthy part of that is truth matters. So there's um, doctrinal. Uh, churches that focus on the word. Then there seems to be the attractional churches, especially talked about kind of in the 90s, early 2000s. And they're really focused on the mission of God and, and doing like doing works of ministry, being missional, um, really going out and seeking and loving um, people who are far from God. And they really take that seriously. And he said uh, part of their um, uh, vulnerability their vulnerability or kind of weakness the strength is is that matters the mission of god jesus came to seek and save the lost like that's that's true and jesus sometimes we hate on attractional churches that's really popular to do sometimes but like if you read the gospels like people were attracted to jesus like crowds surrounded him Uh, i'm doing a series in mark's gospel so that's why this sticks out to me but like you know so many people heard about him he was healing people that uh, mark tells us that he could hardly enter a village without people like sort of swarm swarming him um so sometimes he went out to solitary places or like he sort of secretly tried to enter places. So um, attractional isn't bad, but part of the weakness is they can be so sensitive to uh, uh, people who are far from God that they sort of uh, can compromise. Um, and uh, so doctrinal, attractional. And then you have the charismatic. And they really emphasize the spirit of God and uh, the supernatural power of God that can only come through the Spirit. Like, uh, it's not like strategy or like what what humans can do. But there's a, a big dependence on God showing up and a big emphasis on experience of God. And one of the things I thought he said that was uh, insightful about this was 
there's fewer people in the charismatic one it's growing all other churches are kind of in decline but the charismatic churches have kind of steadily grown and you talk about there seems to be fewer de- deconstructing from uh, charismatic movements he said in, in, in his thought on that which I thought was so good was if you came to faith through an argument uh, it, you, you will leave the faith for an argument like there's a better argument but if you've had an encounter like if you've had an experience with God like you can't argue me out of the encounter I've had with God right so um, I thought that was really good uh, he said sort of the weaknesses sometimes though that the, the gifts of the spirit are more emphasized than the fruit of the spirit um, and uh, I, I thought that was really insightful so you have these three doctrinal focus on the word attractional focus on deed charismatic focus on power of signs and wonders and they're all separate but he said where we want to be is right in the middle like of a, if you think of a Venn diagram where there's the overlap and he referenced Romans 15 18 through 19 uh, 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 Paul's strategy he says this in Romans 15 18 through 19 in the ESV for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring Gentiles to obedience by word and deed by the power of signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. And so his suggestion or, or his emphasis was um, we need churches that are uh, reaching people through word, deed, and the power of signs and wonders. Um, and instead of being siloed off and like divided and uh, attacking one another. And I thought that was really just on point and accurate sort of description of these different groups. There was a breakout session. um, The title was The Master's Plan of Evangelism by this organization called the Bonhoeffer Project, named after uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German German theologian. He had some really cool uh, insights on discipleship, and they are kind of carrying on his tradition. Their logo is actually like his iconic like circular glasses that's awesome uh, yeah they, it's cool I, I, I like them a lot I, I never heard about them until now but they talked about how uh, one of the drawbacks that we uh, one of the drawbacks of the discipleship model um, of our churches is that we tend to create like disciple factories like if we take someone who's not a Christian and we just integrate them into a system um, you know go to a small group start to serve um, join the you know a prayer team or whatever like whatever your your church offers and and calls discipleship like if we just take someone who's not mature in their faith and move them along through a, a process uh, then they'll become you know mature disciples of Jesus and um, I thought that was kind of convicting because I think that's I think that's what our churches tend to do like we're, we our American way of thinking is so linear so um, process oriented so like industrial revolution influenced like efficiency um, and we, we take humans who are complicated and put them into a very uncomplicated system and, and assume that that's going to make just much mature uh, disciples of Jesus and I thought that was convicting uh, and worth thinking about and, and another thing they shared was how the, the, the way that we we share the gospel um, kind of is conducive to immature disciples. So we, we've made, they call it the Gospel Americana, 
uh, <laughs> which is which is kind of funny to me. Um, and so we we emphasize conversion, like salvation. Say the sinner's prayer. You know, raise your hand and say this prayer. Sometimes we even have people close their eyes, so they don't have to. You know, you know, you know. No one has to see them come to Jesus, uh, and so they don't have to talk to anyone about it. But you know, close your eyes, say this prayer, um, and you have now punched your ticket to eternal security. Um, and then we've made discipleship like like extra credit, um, where it's like, okay, now that you're saved, uh, here's something that you can do that will like deepen your relationship with God or um, grow in spiritual maturity. So it's very like self-focused. Uh, this. You know, now that I'm saved, like, what can Jesus do for me? Um, where the, the Bonhoeffer project is, their, their emphasis is kind of restoring uh, this process of discipleship to its rightful place. It's like an, it's a natural, essential aspect of salvation. So to be saved is to be a disciple. It's not like get saved and then become a disciple. Um, and I thought that was pretty spot on. That was uh, the some uh, conviction that you're sharing. Yes, yeah. Um, because it was convicting because that's how I tend to think of things, and I think that's how we tend to think of things in the American church. Is yeah. you know, people process drives our our strategy, like strategies and processes drive our discipleship models. Like they, he kind of illustrated, like there's a river, and the the mouth of the river where it starts is the gospel. And the the end of the river is, you know, sanctification. And we start in the middle instead of at the, at the, the mouth of the river. So we don't start with the gospel. We start with the process, the strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. So he's saying, like, start farther down the river, and you'll create more mature uh, disciples. So. Uh, for me, something that was convict. There are two things I found convicting. Um, at the beginning, Dave Ferguson, he's kind of one of the, like, spearhead visionary leaders, like, that I think, like, kind of started Exponential back in the day, but he talked about their leadership team praying, and I thought, you know, like, in my context, um, there are, uh, there's some, so I'm a lead pastor, I'm pretty young, I've only been in a lead role since August 21, there's a lot of stuff happening, and, like, the truth is, is, like, I don't have, you know, all the insight and experience in the world to know how to navigate uh, some new things that are happening in our church that I think are good and exciting and I just have this sense of like I don't want to I don't want to get in the way I don't want to try to control I don't want to try to strategize or create systems programs and like essentially programmatically uh, suffocate the like what the spirit's doing so I I don't want to get in the way Um, and so that's kind of the reality and and he talked about their uh, their core team praying for this event, I thought, you know, I uh, I should invite my staff and my council, that's like my board, my council, into praying for some some key initiatives. And then later that day, one of the main speakers, their main, one of their main points, Pete Gregg's main point, one of them was pray in this season. And one of his response things was maybe you're here and like, you need to, um, that's, that's how you respond today, is like, you need to commit to praying more in the season. So, um, that's one of the things that's convicting is praying more um, in relation to like the things I'm leading instead of thinking strategy first, leadership principles first, mm-hmm. um, whatever you know. Uh, and then another 
convicting thing that was is like one of those affirming convictions. You know, you ever felt like God's like laid something on your heart and you just you haven't yet acted on it, but like you're you're going to. And then there's another affirmation that's like, okay, yes, that's that's a conviction. Is um, Christine Kane talked about uh, hospitality, which there's the original word. Um, which I did a sermon on this a couple like a month ago, but um, the original word means in scripture means to like love of strangers and uh and it's this theme of of hospitality is is pretty core to like the the, like what it means to be a jesus follower in a community of believers and so um i i want our family like we live in a neighborhood now and I want us to be hospitable. And so I have a list of people that I've talked to my wife about that like we want to have over for dinner. Like we want to have them at our table and share uh, share stories and life with them. And um, and she used the term intentional embodied hospitality. And uh, it's it's intentional in the sense that like we're not going to be we're not going to be aggressive about Jesus, but we're also not going to be you know. Uh, conveniently leave it out that like we're Jesus followers and so essentially the convicting thing is like I need to pray more and we need to act on having some sort of rhythm where we're inviting people uh, to our table Um, some of which maybe from our church or maybe friends like I think that's a part of hospitality but also specifically some people some neighbors who may not yet know God so yeah I think what she pointed out was uh, she talked about the uh, the Matthew nine story where Jesus is sitting around the table just like having fellowship with with people, mm-hmm. and it's framed by story after story of Jesus displaying his power, like casting out demons, healing, um, and right in the middle is the story where Jesus is just sitting around the table talking with people. Um, I think when you read scripture and there's there's a frame when you can see this is just like good hermeneutics I think like when you notice something like that when you see a story that is framed by different passages that seem to emphasize this one thing Mm -hmm. that's something to pay attention to and and she pointed out that um, the the displays of power um, were not more important than what Jesus did around the table with people yeah yeah, creates kind of a sandwich, and my favorite part of a sandwich is, is the meat. <laughs> so, so what's between the buns? Yeah, so it's like when, yeah, I think when we read the Bible, that's a that's a, a good a good approach to have. It's like Jesus is displaying his power, and then he's sitting around the table, and then he's displaying his power again. So yeah. like the emphasis that the writer is trying to come to you know convey is the sitting around the table. So. Yeah. There's something there. Um, Well, last, has there been, um, is there an encouragement you would share, like something that's been encouraging or renewed your soul? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, I don't know that I'll share something specific from this session. It could just be from the experience or whatever. Yeah, I think, honestly, I I enjoy watching people in their various expressions of worship like I, I, I sometimes I feel pressure especially in a smaller setting where 
like I'm not singing or I'm not raising my hands and it drives me nuts when the preacher's like everyone raise your hands right now I'm like I don't want to raise my hands right now uh, it just kind of like makes me cringe like no I don't want to do that but when I'm in a setting like this and there's thousands of people in a room uh, it's really encouraging to me and fun for me and it really kind of just stirs me something in me like when I look around and see people just like freely worshipping um, so the music has obviously obviously been really good I wish we could give credit to the musicians, but I'm not sure who is actually. Yeah, leading. I don't know who where the worship is. I think it might be the, the the church we're at worshiping. We're at First Baptist Church of in Orlando, yeah. so maybe it's them. But they've been phenomenal, uh, and I think that's been really refreshing for me. Um, again, I'm not a very like charismatic. That's not a good word. I'm Matt's not, been jumping around, raising his hands, running not. through the aisle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Prayer language, speaking in tongues, just kicking down chairs. No. Um, but but I am around people who are like, they need like a seat on either side because they're, they're you know, they need some space. They're grooving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's fun. And I, I sometimes I worship vicariously through them. Yeah. It's not really my personality, but but I love to see it. So. Yeah. So I think I agree. Uh, this I'm going to share a different one, but I, I agree. Like one of the things that's nice is sometimes. Um, so I'm I'm a I'm a pastor, and in my Sundays I, I do worship, um, but there's also like just because I get up in front of people and speak pretty regularly, it doesn't mean like there's no nervousness happening on the inside of my body. Uh, my physiological experience on Sunday morning is still not not severe. God has, I think, blessed me with like, uh, like my wife is like would be mortified to speak in front of people. I don't, I don't experience that on that level, but it, there is, there's a little bit, and so um, there's something about being able to be in a space where I can worship and I can receive, listen to preaching, and I have no leadership responsibilities at all, and I'm not going to be the one speaking, and so there's no, there's no nervousness residing in my body. Like that, that itself is an encouraging experience for me and then the other thing is like I just getting it's like drinking from a fire hydrant you know like going to a conference like this and I usually try to walk away and distill like okay what's a couple takeaways that are actionable and sustainable because I can't change I can't adapt all these things but what can I focus on but still it, it, it's also like grease on the on the wheels like it just helps refresh and renew inspiration and ideas and that's um, that's encouraging and then uh, another fun thing is just sometimes seeing people I've seen some people here that like I went to college with or other pastors and met uh, met a pastor who's part of the movement denomination I'm a part of um, and then a friend of mine Zach and Renee Shaner they were on staff at the church I'm at now but they felt God calling them to something else but they're here and we've got to see them some, and they're um, just some of the most humble, Jesus-loving people you can meet, and uh, and they're also encouraging. Like, there's just something about both Zach and Renee's presence. They're just very, yeah, I, I noticed that too. Like, you just feel lifted up. Just very ing- aggressive encouragers. <laughs> aggressive encouragers. <laughs> In a very good way. Yeah, yeah. Like, they'll tell you something, and they'll just be like, thank you so much, but like, I'm almost like, Okay, you can stop complimenting 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's not... It's but not, in, in, the, in yeah. the best way. It's genuine. It's not like they're reaching for it. It's yeah. like genuine depth meaning to the, the encouragement they offer, yeah. and it, it lifts you up. So that's been encouraging seeing Zach and Renee. I don't know that they listen to this podcast, but I'm name-dropping them. Shout out. Yeah, shout out to Zach and Renee. We got to see him here. So Yeah, that's uh, that's what's been encouraging. We got um, another day, half day actually. Yep. And then we're gonna go golfing tomorrow. Yep. Then we're gonna go to dinner, and uh, then we're gonna head back home. And we'll talk most of the way, probably back home. But then we'll see our families again, and we'll we're excited about that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to jump right back into the moving process. So this yeah. has been kind of a. It's kind of nice because like I don't. I mean I don't. I I love ministry. I still have ministry heart, and so I want to be really intentional about these experiences and like making, you know, I, I tend to not make my head knowledge practical, but these conferences are really helpful with, like, I, I have things in my head that I want to, to make practical for the church, and so, like, these conferences are really helpful. Um, so, but it's been kind of nice that, like, I don't work at a church anymore, and so, like, I, I'm kind of just here to learn and relax, <laughs> and for me, like, learning is relaxing, so uh, I've been enjoying it. Yeah. And the pool helps. <laughs> yeah, like I'm introverted. I needed I needed 45 minutes to just like be by myself today, and so I just sat by the pool. And uh, I'm you know from Indiana, so I probably look like a beluga, but because <laughs> we don't have sun. Um, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, I think if I were to make something practical real quick, like give a little pastoral encouragement, I've really felt that hospitality is really um, important. Oh, one of the things, Christine said too was um, uh, uh, sometimes a willingness to be interrupted um, is important and uh, I just I guess if you, uh, one of these things I would encourage is if you're a Jesus follower and you live in proximity to other people I know this can be hard if you don't because we our previous house we had quite a bit of space between us and the other houses around us but now we live in a neighborhood and um there's just really good opportunities to be a blessing to your neighbors. And for me, there is the segue of like my job as a pastor. So it's pretty obvious I'm a Christian and I can't really like, so, so if you're not a pastor, it might be a little harder to insert your faith into the conversation. Um, uh, but it's not like you could invite them to maybe something your church is doing. That's, that's fun or would be fun for their family if they have kids or, um, invite them over, and it doesn't have to be for dinner. It could be for dessert or for a drink. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, hospitality is is really good. So yeah, pretty good. Well, um, anything else you wanna wanna share? Yeah, I think uh, sounds good. This has been a, a quick episode because uh, we've been. We've been talking and processing a lot today, and also we haven't eaten dinner yet, so, um, yeah, I think we might might sign off, and uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow, and if you did happen to uh, tune in a little late or missed this episode, or um, you, can, you can watch this video, obviously, online on Facebook, it'll record, and I'll also uh, post the audio on our usual platform, Spotify. Um, Apple Podcasts, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And if you listen on those platforms, just a little thing, like we like to remind you, if you like, share, rate, uh, it, all of that stuff, tell your friends, 
uh, all that stuff helps increase our listener base. So, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Cue theme music. We don't have that with us. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we I'll add it. I'll add that in post production. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening. Have a good night. <laughs>